Welcome into the Daily Wolves podcast. I'm Trip, joined as always by Evan, special guest in the building, Joel from Pick a Side Pod, famed Timberwolves fan, even though he's not a Timberwolves fan per se. Only one on his podcast that's willing to go to bat for the boys. Joel, appreciate the support. Thank you. I appreciate that intro. You know, I love I love the Timberwolves, and I'm happy to be on this podcast. Appreciate you joining. Appreciate you joining. Hey, I guess just off the top of your head, uh, the argument you had, a lot of T-Wolves fans saw it. I know Evan retweeted it. Uh, the T-Wolves, more upside than than Memphis. Kind of kind of paint a bigger picture for why you felt that. So so the Minnesota Timberwolves fans who hopefully will tune into your podcast moving forward, or, or if they already do, if you want to do a deeper dive into that without your, your co-hosts arguing with you, uh, we'd love to hear a little more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, to start, the Grizzlies were the second seed in the, in the Western Conference. The Timberwolves were the seventh. And going into that matchup in the playoffs, I was I was very confident that the Timberwolves could beat them. And I thought that they should have won. We knew that multiple leads were multiple leads were blown. The Timberwolves played better basketball up until the final minute. It felt like they always found a way to uh, lose a game. But the Rudy Gobert addition to me was really what set apart those two teams. The Grizzlies didn't get much better. They lost Kyle Anderson. They're going to really bank on a lot of internal improvement, where the Wolves not only have internal improvement, but they're adding an all-NBA player, Rudy Gobert, to their roster. So that, to me, I think was why I think the Wolves will be better this season than Memphis. Just just instantly, you say Rudy Gobert. They brought him in. I'm certainly could have been guilty of this over the years just when you don't see Utah Jazz games a lot of unless it's on a weekend and I'm up late drinking or something um it's you know Wednesday night they're playing it I'm in I'm in Michigan so it's you know 10 o'clock at night I'm, I'm, I'm in bed or whatever um and you don't you maybe you see the stat sheet which by the way he had great stats last year but um for the casual fan uh they they don't necessarily rule you know see Rudy Gobert as as an elite talent uh, what you know? What do you, what do you think of the transaction? I, you know, I think we gave up a ton of players and and picks that and and people kind of think we got fleeced. I strongly disagree because we didn't give up any of our core. But would love to just hear what you think of Rudy Gobert as as a player, whether in Minnesota before Minnesota, the trade in general. Just initial thoughts. Yeah, well, I think for one, the trade was bittersweet. I think for everybody that loved the Timberwolves last year, because. Patrick Beverly was a heart and soul. Jared Vanderbilt was another guy who was a heart and soul to the team. So to lose both of those guys was was a dagger. You know, I felt like those two embodied what the Timberwolves season was last year. But Rudy Gobert is a phenomenal player. He's arguably one of the best defenders in our generation. He created the most points off of screen assists last year. You can argue by every defensive metric, he's the best defensive player in the NBA. And what the Wolves struggle with the most is rebounding and rim protection, and that's what Rudy excels at. Now, I know that the playoff struggles people are concerned about, and that is a legit thing, but most of that came from the Utah Jazz's inability to surround Rudy with capable perimeter defenders. I feel like now in Minnesota, Anthony Edwards should be should take the next leap and be a good defender. McDaniels is already one of the better defenders at his position, D'Lo took huge strides last season, and I feel like what Chris Finch said in this interview that I read earlier today was perfect. Uh, Timberwolves have to make up ground for Gobert. You know, they just can't – they can't rely on Gobert to just clean up every mess, and that's what the Jazz did. And I feel like if the Wolves buy in on defense, we'll see Rudy Gobert at his maximum potential. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, 
they lost the Memphis series because they couldn't rebound the ball and they couldn't defend the paint. When John Morant comes in, he just had his way with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So now you're you're taking the playoff series, you're looking at it on the offseason, you're saying, what what can we do in Minnesota? What can we do to really take the next step and, and take our weaknesses and turn them into strengths? And so what they do is they bring in arguably the best uh, rebounder in the NBA, uh, Rudy Gobert, and then they also bring in a guy who's known for being an all-NBA talent. And not only that, but he defends the paint where the Wolves were getting shredded, where John Morant was was destroying the Timberwolves. And so they really took that position. And, and you look at last year, they had Jared Vanderbilt. Rudy Gobert is definitely an upgrade from Jared Vanderbilt, even though we are going to miss him in Minnesota. We're going, uh, we're always going to have love for Jared Vanderbilt at heart, but Rudy Gobert just does all that. And we haven't had a lob threat in Minnesota in a long time. And now you think of D'Angelo Russell playing with a guy who's a lob threat, kind of like he did in Brooklyn with Jared Allen. I mean, that's going to be really big for the Timberwolves. Yeah, I agree 100%. And you look at, like, you said it perfectly. Defensively, people have the concerns. I get it, you know, switching. You have two big men. That's understandable. But what people aren't talking about is that you only get played off the court if you can't score on the other end. On the Utah Jazz, oftentimes it felt like they gave up leads when Rudy Gobert was on the court because not only were they getting shredded defensively because nobody can guard their man, but offensively they couldn't keep up because Donovan Mitchell is the only engine that they have offensively for the most part. Where in Minnesota, you have Anthony Edwards, you have Cat, you have D'Lo in the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. And Chris Finch has already said that Gobert's going to get the ball in those offensive situations. When he has a player that's smaller that he's sealed in the paint, they're going to pass it to him. In Utah, that wasn't the case. On offense last year, Jared Vanderbilt was basically the five. He operated like that in the offense. D'Lo and him were the pick-and-roll partners, and now you replace Vando with Gobert. And Gobert is a superior offensive player to Vando just because of his size and the gravity that he has when he rose to the basket. Now, this allows Cat to play more outside. You know, last year he was playing more from the post, the elbow. Now he plays, he's playing more from the outside. He's going to have more space, and I think those three-point attempts go up. And if Cat is shooting more threes, I think that makes your offense that much more efficient. Yeah, I, I agree. And and one thing that you kind of hit on, the def- you know, you get played off the court if you can't score. Another argument I hear a lot um, is, well, you know, they're just going to go small ball on you. They're going, okay, well, we're going to go big. Who says small ball beats big ball, right? I know this is a small ball NBA league, but okay, let's let's try it out. You want to go small? We'll go big with Cat and Rudy. May the best man win. I tend to think we're going to win that battle. But um, you kind of you kind of briefly touched on D'Lo. Came in at 93 out of, you know, the top 100 ESPN. What, I mean, just I'm not even going to say anything. What, what are your thoughts? Well, he went from 63 to 93, and he had a better season, and he did uh, the previous year. So I, I didn't really understand it. The players ranked ahead of him, Buddy Heald, <laughs> Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson. Those are just to name a few. Mike Conley <laughs> averaged 13-5 and five last season. <laughs> and in the playoffs, he averaged nine points, which was worse than D'Lo, and he shot 33% yeah. from the field. So he, had a, he was worse in the playoffs than D'Lo, yet he's ranked above him. I don't think anybody wants to trade for Conley given his contract. So he's stuck in Utah. He's probably going to get bought out. Buddy Heald has never, ever contributed 
to a team to a team making the playoffs. D'Lo has done it twice, once as a main option, and this past year as a focal point as a lead guard on the Wolves. And then Clarkson, I mean, he's just a tunnel vision scorer. He offers nothing outside of scoring. Six man of the year, yes, but to be ranked ahead of D'Angelo Russell, I think it's borderline disrespectful, but th- that's what the rankings are for year to year. ESPN gets it wrong most of the time than not. Well, I think uh, I agree with you. I, I'm a big D'Lo guy. I think he's closer to the top 50 than he is the top, uh, let's say, 75 to 100. Uh, but that's just me. I'll go to, I'll go to bat for D'Lo always. I guess, you know, where, where the Wolves – where I like to think ESPN got it right with that ranking – Minnesota Timberwolves, only team with three players in the top 25. Ant, crack in the top 25. I know that's your guy. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think, um, for one, the list was an obvious projection. I think that's what they, they try to hit on that. Yep. Um, I, I love it that they were all ranked within the, 20 top, within the top 25 players. It's funny because I had a segment on my podcast not too long ago. It was actually a collab episode we did with Through the Wire, and we were ranking our top five starting lineups in the NBA. And the top five for everybody, it was like consensus was the Warriors, the Celtics, the Sixers made it, you know, the Bucks, all the top teams in the NBA, the Nuggets were one of those teams. And I had the Timberwolves inside my top five and everybody went crazy. They couldn't believe that I had them in the top five. And my simple explanation for it was it's just a talent, like talent for talent. You compare the Timberwolves starting five to any other team in the NBAs, they have the best starting five. They have three all-star players. I say four. I think D'Lo's an all-star caliber player. Will he make it? No, there's just too many guards in the West and in the NBA in totality. But he has proven he can be an all-star in his career. Anthony Edwards, I think, takes that leap this season. Rudy Gobert is all NBA and Cat is all NBA. So you have four players in your starting lineup who are all-star caliber players there is no other team in the NBA that can say that. Like, no other team in the NBA can say that. No, there, there are very few teams in the NBA that can say they have two all-NBA caliber players, which Cat mm-hmm. and Gobert are, and that's a fact. No, a straight fact. And then you have – who's your last guy in that lineup that you're not naming? Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels – is a player that could also take a leap. What if Jaden McDaniels were to take a next step? What if he what if he all of a sudden this year averages, you know, 15 points a game and he's getting you you know that all defense type that everyone sees out of Jaden McDaniels. Like wh- where did the Timberwolves really take the leap if if Jaden McDaniels can come along cuz people, you know, they forget about how good of a player he is too. Remember, they didn't give up Jaden McDaniels in the Rudy Gobert acquisition in that trade. Because the Timberwolves view Jaden McDaniels as such a pivotal piece into their future, and they didn't want to give up a player. But that's one of the reasons why the Timberwolves gave up so much in the deal. They could have given up less in the deal if they were to include Jaden McDaniels. And when's the last team or time really a, a team has done that big of a trade? And there isn't like a blue chip piece included. There isn't a you know the guy with the upside, the young player with the upside. The, the Jazz really didn't get some player that was coming in that was going to be a big upside. Like, look at the Donovan Mitchell stuff. He gets – they get, like, um, all their trade package, and then they get Sexton, and he's somebody who could – he could develop into something. I mean, at least he's a promising young talent, right? The Timberwolves <laughs> didn't give up McDaniels. So, 
But yeah, McDaniels is somebody I just wanted to bring up because I just think he's he's underlooked in Minnesota. Shout out to the promising young talent, Walker Kessler. Yeah, you're right. And uh, it's funny because, you know, Cleveland gave up Colin Sexton, who's averaged 25 in the league before. They gave up O'Shea Abaji, too, who mm-hmm. he was a lottery right. pick. And I thought he was going to really help this Cleveland team. But now he's in Utah. But you're right. It was Pat Bev. It was Walker Kessler, who we weren't even sure how much he was really going to play in Minnesota. And like that was a question mark in itself. Malik Beasley is replaceable by somebody else. They didn't really give up a lot in terms of like, like you're saying a blue chip prospect, Jaden McDaniels to me, he's one of those players because there are some players in the NBA where you don't know how good they are until you watch them. And I think that's Jaden McDaniels. You don't know how good he is defensively until you watch him. I saw this stat the other day where he's like top five in terms of uh defensive field goal percentage uh, that he allows versus expected. And in that top five were some of the best defenders in the NBA. Rudy Gobert was in that top five as well. But he's 6'9", 6'11", wingspan. You watch some of his offensive possessions. He has handle. He has wiggle in his game. The shot creation potential is there with him. And like I mentioned, he's one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. If he can develop a consistent three-point shot, shoot 35% from the three, he's the fifth best player in that starting lineup. Like, we're talking about a team that is dangerous, and I think that this year is the year that people start to really know who McDaniels is, and he becomes one of those household names in the NBA in, in, in NBA circles, especially when you're talking about defenders. No question. Yeah, I mean, I you totally look agree. at the you look at the offensive side of the ball. You're not going to necessarily be shocked, although he, I thought offensively by the end of the season he looked really good. Um, shot needs a little work, but. Again, it's kind of one of those things. I've got a buddy who's a Pistons fan. He hates on Jaden McDaniels hard. Reality is, who are we kidding? He's probably watched zero Timberwolves games last year. But Jaden McDaniels has the upside to be an, you know, an an all level, all you know, an all NBA level defender. I don't know offensively what what that means, but but definitely defensively to be where he where we drafted him, um, and and the type of talent that he is, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And yeah, like you said, if he's the fifth best player. Uh, this is then this is hands down probably the best Timberwolves team of, of all time. Um, speaking of Edwards real quick, but want to hit on it before I forget. Um, I know we talked about him briefly, but just year three, what do you think he'll become? You know, um, I it's, it's the projection that he's already a top 25 player is incredible to me. Um, I just, I had just curious how, how far you think he can take that, you know, and raise that ceiling. I think for sure he's going to be an all-star. I think that's a given. I was actually making a list of the top Western Conference guards, and it's Luca, Steph, Dame, CP3, Ja, and Devin Booker. Given Chris Paul's age, I think he has a regression, so I would put Ant-Man over Chris Paul in those mm-hmm. top guards. So I think he makes the All-Star game pretty easily in the West. But when we talk about like him taking that like next-next level where Ja Morant took that, he was an All-NBA performer. There are a lot of guards in the NBA. Like, in the West alone, it's Lucas, Steph, Dame, Ja, D, Book. In the East, it's Donovan Mitchell, Bradley Beal, who was injured last year. And like, there's a lot of guards in, in the West and East. I'm not even mentioning the, the blue-chip guards like Trey Young and Darius Garland in the Eastern Conference. Like, those guys are amazing in, in, in themselves and also James Harden. But I think Anthony Edwards, for sure, takes an all-star level leap when just talking about his game specifically, I think the two biggest leaps that he has to take are just um, his shot diet 
I think that he settles too much on jumpers. And if he were to drive to the basket more with his 6'5", 225-pound self, I think he's a tank. And I don't think anybody can stop him when he's going downhill. So I think it's him driving to the basket more, which is going to lead to more foul calls, being a more consistent jump shooter, honing in that mid-range shot, and then just being a consistent defender. He's already said in the past that his goal is to be an all-NBA defender. That's what he wants to be. So I think this year it's really about putting it all together and him becoming one of the better two-way guards in the NBA. I'm going to give you a nice little question here that I already know the answer to, but I think for any Timberwolves fan listening, it's going to make them a fan of you. Uh, Does he have a higher ceiling than John Morant? I think he does. Love it. Yeah, pretty easily. I think he does. Why is that? I I love it. The why is that for people who haven't seen your episodes and everything like that, but why do you think he's has a higher ceiling than John Morant? I just think it's his size. And I think that I favor taller players and he has that he has the weight and it's just his two way potential. John Morant will probably be one of the best offensive engines in the NBA. There's nothing to take away from him, but Anthony Edwards can be that and he can be an all NBA defender. I don't think John Morant can do that. I think Anthony Edwards has the two-way prowess and that's why I favor him and he has a scoring ability that can match whatever Ja does. If we go back to the the draft where Anthony Edwards was in it, are you still taking Anthony Edwards over over LaMelo Ball or are you going to take LaMelo Ball over Anthony Edwards? Let me hear it. I'm pretty easily taking Anthony Edwards. It's not even a question for me. That's what we like to hear Minnesota, man. That's what's <laughs> up. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Before we we ask uh Every guest we have on, we ask this question. Uh, before we get to it, I have to quickly – I know I saw you made a video earlier today about this. I just want to quickly paint on it. I know Timberwolves fans probably don't care that much, but it is relating to Rudy Gobert's former team. Um, what do you think of them trading Bogdanovich to the Pistons, and what do you think of kind of the, the Pistons there, that move for the Pistons? For the Jazz, I think it's just continuing what they've been doing. They're going into full rebuild. I'm surprised they didn't get a first-round pick in return. Saban Lee is a whatever player. And so is Kelly Olenek. At least they have an Olenek, a starting center, because before that it was Walker Kessler. So now in Olenek, they have an actual starting center. I'm curious to see what that starting lineup is. Is it Mike Conley with Colin Sexton and uh, Markinen with Olenek? And I don't know who that three is, Vanderbilt. It just sounds disgusting. The Jazz (laughs) (laughs) with the Pistons. Boyan Bogdanovich, I think, makes them a borderline playing team. I was thinking about it earlier, and I think between them and the Hornets, I'd take the Pistons. I just like their coaching better. I like their pieces better. With them and the Knicks, I'm a Knicks fan. I'd favor the Knicks slightly. I think the Brunson addition does make us uh, a playing team. It, it makes us competitive for that spot. The Wizards have a lot of depth and two proven all-stars in Porzingis and Bradley Beal. So I think the Pistons are kind of like, the, te- the 11th seed in the East, the 11th or 12th, which is a pretty good improvement. They were the 14th seed last year. I mean, they lost Jeremy Grant, and now you replace him with Boyan Bogdanovich, basically. And Boyan Bogdanovich fits better with them, but in terms of, like, when you compare them as players, but Bogdanovich is better, but not, like, by much. So yeah. because of that, I, I think that they make a marginal improvement. And if since you're a Knicks fan, I, I can tell you comfortably, Tom Thibodeau doesn't miss the playoffs two years in a row. That's just not. That's not what he does. Uh, so, so I, I think hope so. Safely can say you'll be in the playoffs, and I think you're positioned pretty well in the East. Uh, real quick, actually speaking of the Pistons, would you rather have Cade Cunningham long term or Anthony Edwards? That's a very tough question, man. 
I'm honestly, honestly speaking, I'm gonna go Cade Cunningham. Oh, Cade Cunningham has that like Luca esque factor to him, but that's tough. Like Cade Cunningham is just six eight point guard. He can score. Like he's he's gonna be an elite scorer. He's gonna be an elite playmaker. He's gonna be an elite defender. I think Cade Cunningham can win MVP one day. Okay. Would you be surprised if Anthony Edwards ends up having a better career? No, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. There you go. Good to know. Uh, appreciate the honesty. So we'll end with this uh, season prediction for the Timberwolves. You don't. Have, I mean, I would say record prediction if you can. It's tough. I always give you the out and say it's not really a fair question. But just in terms of a ballpark of of a, of a seed, um, realistic that you think that they can make. You know, this year I think. Two years from now, they're going to be even better. But this year, realistically, where do you think the Timberwolves fall? <laughs> it's funny. I'm, uh, this is funny because on Pick a Side, we're actually going to do a Western Conference prediction show. And in that, like, I was doing my research for the Timberwolves and every other team, of course. Last season, I said the Timberwolves would be the fifth seed in the West. I got laughed at for that take. While they weren't the fifth seed, they were the seventh, and they were fighting for the fifth seed all, all year long yep. towards the end. They they positioned themselves to have it. Then they fumbled it late. I That disappointed me. But I'm going to be honest. I have, And I'm going to say this later in my pod, too, you know, when we record it. I have the Timberwolves being the first seed in a Western Conference. <laughs> wow. I think they go 60 and 22. It's a 14-win wow. improvement. I think the additions of Gobert and Anderson alongside the leaps of Edwards and McDaniels gives you that 14-win improvement. And does this mean that I think they're the best team in the West in the playoffs? No, because I think the Warriors – I think the Warriors-Clippers have earned that respect. Yes, I agree. But I look at the Clippers, and I'm like, okay, the Clippers, Kawhi, injury-prone, he load manages, Paul George load manages – uh, their team, although they do load manage, they still manage to win because Tyron lose a great coach. But I look at them and I'm like, they're probably going to load manage. They know the regular season. They're just going to cruise through it. The playoffs are what matters. And that's what has, happens with these veteran teams. So I think the Clippers aren't the first seed because of that reason. The Warriors last year should have been the first seed, but they had injuries. And I think they're all getting older. So injuries is a huge possibility for them as well. So I don't think they get the first seed. The Nuggets are the only other team that I see that can be the first seed because they're adding Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. back. They signed Contagious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown. So they could be the first seed, and they can give them legit competition. But I think the Wolves are in a position right now where all of their players are going to play the majority of the season, uh, you know, taking into account they don't get injured, which hopefully they don't. But they're hungry. They're going to be energetic. They're going to play the whole season. And they're going to come out with something to prove. And that's why I think they're going to be the first seed in the Western Conference. Wow. Before I close it, Evan, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. Well, it's crazy because we had another guest on here um, earlier who had predicted the Timberwolves to finish, I think, with the exact same record. But I know he said that I, – I can say that for sure he said the Timberwolves were going to be the one seed as well realistically he thought that after the Rudy Gobert acquisition all all the moves they made now after that happened the Wolves have even made more moves right they get guys battling for that 15th roster spot now we have like Luca Garza coming in they have PJ Dozier who's a vital part of of the Denver Nuggets back in the day and 
The guy who is, what, 6'8", can play defense, real lengthy, uh, athletic, had that ACL tear. But uh, in the, way down the line after the ACL tear, even I saw an interview with Nikola Jokic, and he said that they really missed T.J. Dozier being out there and how like key he was to the Denver Nuggets team. I mean, that's just the guy they have Tim battling on the bench. So now Minnesota has all these different players down there. Uh, A.J. Lawson, who's a player that can, uh, you know, he might not make the NBA roster, but a guy who, who has some experience. He played in the, the Canadian League. They got uh, C.J. Ellaby, who played minutes with the Portland Trailblazers last year. So there's all these players that are down at the bench. And that's just battling for the Timberwolves' last roster spot, right? The Minnesota Timberwolves have so much depth. They get guys like Bryn Forbes, uh, Austin Rivers. You know, one of those guys might not even play much minutes. Might not even, it's not even guaranteed, I think, one of their contracts. I believe it's the Austin Rivers contract. It's not even fully guaranteed. They're getting guys to agree to deals. I mean, think about it in the past. Who's coming to play for the Minnesota Timberwolves? Nobody. Who's coming at the end as a veteran player who's going to be okay with not a guaranteed contract or be okay with, um, you know, not getting playing time. The Wolves roster is that attractive. Chris Finch is that attractive as a coach. And I think players see that. They want to play with that. And I think the culture's really shifted in Minnesota. I just wanted to bring that up. Um, the last thing, really, I just re- wanted to bring up to you both um, and just kind of go over for the people listening mostly is just, you know, the Timberwolves, they start, we have media day on Monday, this Monday, I believe it's the 26th of September. Uh, so that'll be your first day. If you're a Minnesota Rolls fan listening to this to really get in depth, see some things. And then we're right into it. It's training camp on Tuesday. The wolves are going to be off and running uh, the next month or so finish up preseason. It's going to be get right into it. All NBA teams are diving into it. And then here we go. I believe the season opener against the Oklahoma city thunder. I think it's the 19th of October should be quite quite the experience trip you have anything else no i would just say uh based off this conversation guys you know there's not a lot of uh you know basketball junkies podcasts out there that that uh are riding with the timberwolves if, if pick a side pot you know if pick a side pot isn't uh must listen for you it should be now after this episode joel where can they find you uh, they can find me uh at joel v moran on twitter instagram tiktok Joel Moreno on YouTube and Pick Us Out Podcast on everywhere if you want to tune into the podcast. There you go. You got one guy who's ready to go to war for the Timberwolves at, on Pick Aside Podcast. Absolute must listen. Joel, can't thank you enough for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you. Uh, hop on anytime. We're looking forward to seeing the takes in the future on your podcast, man. But it's been great having you on. Uh, I think we speak of all Timberwolves fans. We'd love to have somebody else from an outside perspective on our side until next time everybody i uh, appreciate everyone for tuning in listening today um peace out and as always go wolves <laughs>